Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. Uh, this past week, before I recorded this episode, I released a video that was a little bit different. It was something kind of like a bicycle, but kind of not, because it was missing some key bicycle things, but it was still on two wheels. It was still electric, and it was still a lot of fun. So I am happy to say that I have not only a guest, but the owner of a company called Glide Cruisers USA, the founder and the designer, creator, however he wants to be called, uh, is on here with me today. So stick around if you want to hear more about something called the Glide Cycle, what it is and what it's all about. So thanks for coming on to the podcast today, Chris. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate the chance to be with you here. Of course. And I appreciate you gave me uh, some time to to leave one of these here for a few days so I could kind of get a feel for it and ride it around a little bit and kind of understand what it's all about. But I'm curious, why did you start doing this? Why not a bicycle? Why not a scooter? Why not something that's similar, but not this? This is very unique. It sure is. And, and I, you kind of jump right to the heart of the subject for us. Early on, before I kind of even cultivated the idea, I was uh, an avid sports guy in a lot of different arenas and competitive water skier and competitive snow skier in my early days, and then later got into uh, mountain biking. So I appreciated the quality of mountain bikes and what's evolved over the last 10, 20 years, a lot, especially uh, recently. So anyhow, I, uh, sitting around with some buddies one day, I we had one of those, I think it was a go-pad at the time, and you know, one of the smaller scooters with small wheels and the pole coming up and mm-hmm. with a chainsaw type of motor on it. And <laughs> right. Came, oh, God, it came buzzing by, super obnoxious and loud. And I said, you know, there's got to be a better way. And kind of sparked the idea for me in the beginning. And uh, I started thinking, combining, you know, mountain bike components with, you know, an electric motor system and, you know, a hybrid between a uh, mountain bike, if you will. and you know, it's a lot of different turns to what we have today. Yeah, so that was the initial spark for the idea for us. Got it. Okay, that's cool. It uh, It's interesting. I was never into scooters when I was younger, and I'm still not. We've got a couple of them around the shop, and, you know, because we'll get samples from overseas from different companies, and some of the guys will ride them around, you know, get from one end of the building to the other kind of thing just, just for fun. And I, I never really got into them. But the first time I saw something like what you have with the big wheels, I was like, that makes sense. Why are we putting these tiny little wheels on these things? Like, you know, and and you have the bicycle suspension for it. That is something that I thought was a good idea the first time I saw it. So I just want to put that out there. Well, no, and I I appreciate it. And, you know, I had the chance to come out and, and spend a little time with you in person and see you out riding it, which was just great fun to see you out having fun and and it is a very different ride for us and there's a lot of uh performance that comes out of this configuration and and all this back up and say from the get-go it was my intention to do something well engineered and from the beginning you know people said oh it's an electric scooter and we i've been fighting that image for a long <laughs> time because we don't think it really is we think it's an electric bike that just doesn't happen to have seats or pedals yeah, and you know, and from a performance standpoint, you know, we've been putting quality high-end front suspension forks on these. You don't really need rear suspension because you're on your feet. 
So, you know, you have the built-in shock absorber with your knees a little bit, but... Uh, yeah, that was something interesting I, I noticed that I didn't quite expect at first, like, you know, riding over some speed bumps. At first, I was a little, like, slowing down, and after I got the hang of it, I was like, I can hit these things at, like, full speed and just soak up the bumps with my knees, and it's, it's not weird or different getting used to. It takes a little getting used to just to, to realize that you don't have to worry that much. Like, you can just do it, and it just, I don't know, it just comes very naturally. Well, it's a very short learning curve to ride them, and kind of the key to it is a low center of gravity, and it's kind of a fine balance between where the right configuration on how low to the ground is, because, you know, you want to have a little bit of clearance, like you said, going over speed bumps. So, you know, I'll tell you, I, I don't think you've had a chance to see the early versions of our machine, but it had the battery box underneath the frame deck, and... Uh, hence a little about, it was about four or five inches lower to the ground. So oh, wow. provided several issues that we had to get around and only made sense to redesign and put the battery, you know, mounted to the deck in front of the rear wheel actually is where it's located. So as you've seen, and yeah, so it made, made a big difference, but still managed to keep the center gravity low and, and that really helps with performance. Yeah, and one thing I, I noticed and I, I failed to mention, I meant to mention this in the video I released, so I guess I'll have to, to bring it up in another one at some point, is that it's strange because you got a low center of gravity, but you're standing straight up. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like you're sitting or standing way taller than normal, but you don't feel like you're way up high. It's like you're just standing. I don't know. I don't know how to describe that sensation otherwise, other than people just need to try it for themselves. No, you're certainly hitting on a button for us. And being up high, the really cool thing there is you're looking over cars and other riders. If, say, you're on a bike trail, you know, you can see a long way. So it helps not only with making the view and the experience better, but also safety. You know, you can see what's coming quicker and easier. And, you know, another thing about standing up, you mentioned kind of standing straight up. And I ride in a comfortably stand-up position, but... One of the things I've really pushed on, especially in the product development stage of the project, is pushing the limits. You know, I didn't want to ever go down and get hurt and, and knock on wood. We've had, you know, over 10 years of designing, building, selling these things and have had no real issues. But, you know, I played hard on the dirt and I've made tests where I put on some extremely hard cranking turns where you can kind of lean into it. And they perform amazingly well. You just that you can test the limit to the point where it's a little scary on how far you can lean over if you really want to. Yeah. But I, I'm not advocating for, you know, folks out there to do that. thought it was important. We knew how far we can push it and still feel safe and have an amazing experience. And really, uh, and that feeling for me, you know, I'm in my fifties now and, and, uh, in the early days being a competitive water skier, man, I love being able to crank on some turns in a slalom course and hanging, you know, at a 45 degree angle or more in a turn and to feel a little bit of that getting the wind in your face and the turning on these things. It's that type of sensation for me and a lot of others and my friends and, and family that ride these too. So it's, it's been good so far. That's really interesting. So I'm going to jump back a bit because uh, you mentioned how long you've been doing this and say that one more time because this isn't something that's brand new <laughs> for you at least. Uh, no, and I appreciate you pointing that out. We, uh, you know, I started very small and, and myself basically and uh, another 
person on the engineering side to assist. But yeah, so around 2009 was doing a little bit of the uh, idea uh, cultivation. And then by 2010, officially launched the company and uh, started building prototypes. So we did that for a year uh, or two before we did our first small production and of which we're mostly sold to friends and family so we could work out the bugs and make sure we had a, a solid system before moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's great. You've been around a while. The technology, of course, on electric anything has continued just to get better and better. And uh, <laughs> that's applying to what you're doing as well. Exciting to see it grow. Yeah. There's a couple other things that are coming to mind. One is, and probably the average person that's listening right now has not seen this, but I, I watch everything electric, whatever it is. It can be aircraft, cars, motorcycles, bicycles. You know, I'm trying to keep a handle on just what's out there because I want to know about it. And You got the bug, my friend. I like it. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I saw recently, this is like new up and coming, like just in the last several months this was announced, is like these international... They call it scooter, but I, I know we're going to say the glide cycle is something more than a scooter, but I think they call it a scooter. It's an international like racing league. Oh, really? And these things that they are designing for this racing league, I think this is backed by like like a Formula One guy or company or something. I mean, this is like big time. They're trying to make it go big and it's like brand new, just out of the blue. It was like, is this an April Fool's joke? Like, what, what is this? But no, no, they're serious. Like, yeah, but they're talking about, you know, like 60 miles an hour, like, you know, full face uh-huh. motorcycle helmets. I mean, they're trying to oh, yeah. make this really exciting. And it was like, wow, I didn't know that was going to be a thing. And, and here you've been doing it for the last 10 years and now they're just starting out with this. So I'm curious, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, if this racing league kicks off and and becomes something that people watch like an entertainment sport like f1 racing and and i know that sounds like a silly comparison but that's the guys behind it if i recall that are trying to do this you know something like like the greg glide cruisers all of a sudden people are gonna be like oh yeah these have way more performance than what we thought because if they're watching these pros just zip around these racetracks i think they'll see the potential of it which you already do, obviously, based on what you just told me, and that's what reminded me of it. I hope so. I'd love to see more of that sort of thing happen. And the image thing going around regarding the real small scooters versus, you know, we're, as, as mentioned earlier, we don't call them electric scooters, but we <laughs> refer to these as electric stand-up cycles, which is a heck of a long name. But It's closer to what it really is. Or e-stops, electric stand-ups. And I'm kind of uh, toying around with that as a, an idea of, part of our branding strategy. But yeah, moving forward, hey, if there are listeners out there that are aspiring to be a pro in that category at some point, you know, <laughs> you we, we're, we know how to make our machines go a heck of a lot faster. But, you know, for mainstream, you know, sales and marketing, we've kept it to constraints that uh, the marketplace better. And but it's exciting, you know, because that's boy, if you look at the early days of Car companies, even like Ford and those guys, they all all had the racing circuit to help go out and promote what they're doing and product development and all of it. Yeah, get some competition going, and that's how sometimes what drives some some improvements and some changes for what we use on the road. Now, for those that are listening and maybe haven't seen the video that came out or don't know what we're talking about, tell us a little bit about the current power options you have for these. 
Yes. Yeah, so I really uh, kind of started out in 2000 watt motors right away, which, you know, with the higher uh, battery capacities and, and current levels, we we're able to get them to, to be pretty quick. But in order to properly go into the market and have things like insurance coverage and some of those, we've had to standardize on, you know, some more typical uh, motor sizes and speeds. So, you know, a thousand watt motor is our entry level, which tops out about 24 miles an hour. And the 2000 watt systems are around, you know, maybe 28 to 30 miles an hour max. The secret behind the scene is I've been doing a, a couple of 72 volt machines uh, although my insurance company didn't want me to ever do that anymore, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're very fast and powerful, and you know. So we'll see what the future holds with us on that. But I've made a few of those, and boy, do they perform! And up to like forty four miles an hour, and oh, you know, almost scary fast. But it alludes back to what you were talking about on the the potential racing circuit and some of that. And by the way, this this might be a good time to just quick like make a quick left hand turn into a commercial about not a commercial but just another comment about uh, my history i before glide i had a a company called nevin sports and back in, in the 90s right out of college for me we did water sports uh gear so everything from wetsuits to and it was mostly high-end performance gear uh gloves handles ropes tubes on the competitive level for water skiers wakeboarders three event skiers and all that kind of thing. And so in the day, in the 90s, I sponsored a lot of guys that were professional wakeboarders. And, uh, you know, so we'd put our gear on. And so, you know, my quick uh, left-hand turn circling back, you know, we've done that sort of thing in the past. And, boy, if this thing blows up and we can get a chance to participate in some of the competition-level stuff, I'm all about it. It was a heck of a lot of fun. And, and uh, it would be great to push the limit especially speed-wise, legally in an environment like that, would be pretty outrageous. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, mentioned before in previous podcast episodes and things that I would I would love to have an event, and I was kind of tentatively planning things, you know, before everything in 2020 shut everything down, and then large gatherings were a bad idea. <laughs> so I'm kind of just waiting for things to, to kind of clear up and – and I would like to do it again, but I, I have a spot in mind that I think would just be totally awesome for e-bikes, for any of the two-wheeled things that we've got to just rip around on a racetrack-type setting where we could just unleash everything. So just keep that in the back of your mind. One of these days, I really want to do that. It probably won't happen this year, but hopefully if, if, you know, if things go somewhat back to normal... Uh, it's something I'd love to plan for 2022. So work me down. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we'll see. We'll see. you'll have to bring one of those 72 volt machines, and then you can tell me. Don't worry, it's closed track. It's not on the street. It's it's safe. We'll wear a helmet. I'm building a brand new one right now as a replacement for uh, a unit I just gave to my little brother. So he's <laughs> up there in Idaho, pretty happy with a fast machine. And for everybody that commented on the video I released saying, where's your helmet? I will wear a helmet if I go on one of those, I promise. Yeah, you know, I, you wouldn't be the first to get hammered on a little bit about that, and I do too, and I, I try to be better, but boy, the wind in your face sure feels nice. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask, how do these fit in? Because I noticed this was a common question, uh, one of the first things that seems to pop up, and 
and I haven't researched it a ton yet. How do these fit into most local laws, state laws compared to bicycles? Because I think that's a big question people have. Well, it doesn't have pedals, so can you ride it on bicycle paths, on the road? Where, where can you use this? Well, typically we fit into the class two regs and and for most states, you know, it's a thousand watt max. And of course, you always have the, the speed laws vary from county to county. And in California, I've noticed there's, you know, several variations. But in that regard, you know, we have a bunch of machines that we make that fit that criteria. But we also make some that are too fast according to the legal aspects of it. So we get asked that. And but if you're off road doing your own thing and you know, off the city streets and bike lanes, you have a little more leeway, I think. But uh, yeah, so so there's our answer on that. And we love the speed, but we got to try to conform with what's out there for the masses, you know. Yeah, of course. The one thing that seems kind of interesting, I don't know, you know, I'm picturing in my head mountain boards, you know, they basically they were skateboards, but you have these big off-road tires on them. And sometimes they have, you know, like full suspension on them, coil over shocks. They can get pretty intricate. And then, of course, now that electric things are coming out, there's, you know, electric mountain boards and electric skateboards. And have you ever thought about making something? And I, I know you said rear suspension isn't necessary. And I totally agree having ridden it around on the road. But have you ever thought about some sort of just extreme off-road model that just is crazy with suspension and way more travel and just something nuts like that? Well, it's funny that you even mentioned that because I don't think I've had that discussion at all yet about... No, we haven't. Yeah, I'm actually working on a dual suspension, radical, mean, off-road, dual motors, so all-wheel drive. It's tempting to say four-wheel drive because then people think, you know, real (laughs) badass for the Jeeps and all, but no, so two-wheel drive. You know, so two motors operating simultaneously, so you've got a heck of a lot better climbing ability. And, you know, I'll probably run 72 volts on those machines just for the sheer climbing power. Sure. Off-road use only. Yeah. And the dual suspension, so rear suspension. So I already, uh, I, I do, by the way, a lot of, now almost all of the uh, engineering work, you know, so we do 3D modeling and create the frames and and see, you know, work on the stuff quite far in advance. And, you know, just like I know you have to order a lot of what you do far in advance, you got to plan ahead. We're, uh, yeah, that's, that's been on the drawing board the last couple of years, and I'm pretty excited about doing that. And it's funny you mentioned the mountain boards and some of that and those guys going electric. The other comment I'll make is that we are actually looking at going to a motorless version of our off-road machine, which we hope will be adopted and usable in some of the terrain parks for like up at the ski areas in the summer when you get, you know, the bike trails with all the, the downhill mountain bikes and those guys. I know it doesn't fit in the wheelhouse of the overall discussion of the electric stuff, but. That's okay. So, so you're thinking like something you would take like on a chairlift kind of thing or ride down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been out and done that, but we uh, we even took they they opened the park up at North Star one day for uh, as part of Interbike and you know the trade show for the bike industry, and we were able to go and test some of their actual electric mountain bikes up there, which was pretty interesting. And right up to the part where I had a little crash and 
you know, scarred my knee up a little bit. But besides that, <laughs> it was it was a blast. And you know, so we'll see. I that's part of my strategy with the off-road frame system and what we're doing there. We'll do a, uh, an electric and a non-electric version. So that's the game plan. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but that why not? <laughs> so if makes... any of you competitors out there, don't don't write that down. That's my idea for my future <laughs> idea here. Got it. You've got a good head start on everybody for sure. You've already been working on things and, uh, you know, designs out. And yeah, I think you know what you're doing. And I just say that based on on the quality of, of what I've seen so far. Tell us a little bit too about manufacturing, where are these things being made? You, you know, you mentioned that you're doing, you know, a lot of the engineering and design work. And I know a lot of the things that you can have built here in California are done here. Well, you know, hey, we, we would love to build everything here, but it's just not feasible in some categories like, you know, batteries and motors, as you well know. We do our best to manufacture and, and really ensure we've got the quality and, and the product line on all the other main components and our frame systems and, uh, you know, supporting racks and things like kickstands and so on. And yeah, it's been nice to be able to really make sure that we've done a good job and, and in-house, uh, on some of it and working with partner, you know, factories and, and sources, a lot of which are right here in California. So it's been amazing. We've been able to do it and get in the market at all with a fairly competitive product, but over, over the years, we figured out the formula enough to get a running start at it anyway. <laughs> right. I know there's a few different kind of applications that really make a lot of sense, and I, and I can see these adapting to these well, but who do you think or who do you see buying these right now? Or, or who do you think will be in the future as this grows? Well, that's sure, certainly going to open the conversation up to some of our other uh, divisions and product lines that we're doing. You know, for, for the most part, what you've seen is, our retail-based products that are available to, you know, any consumer out there that, you know, we found a lot of, uh, and we, we call those guys, a lot of them have been our grassroots buyers and kind of word of mouth, and, and that's how we've grown over the years. But, you know, a lot of those buyers have been using them for a, a runabout for fun on the weekends, but a lot of the people that are more serious about conserving energy and you know, doing their part, going green and all that. We've got a bunch of folks that commute to work every day on them uh, or go to the gym afterwards or go down to the grocery store and pick up some groceries. And in fact, like I mentioned to you, we have a, a trailer system that can go down and throw all your groceries in the trailer. So that makes it convenient. Other applications on the consumer side for us has been one big one's been the RV market, people going on destinations. And of course, that's going to apply to regular electric bikes as well. It's just we certainly have something different in the tourism part uh, piece of that being that, you know, you ride in a standing position, you're up higher, you can see more. So there's that part of it that helps folks appreciate it that are in those categories. And regarding some of the other divisions and areas that we're producing for, we've got a, a public safety division of the company. And years ago, I think well, about 20 16, uh, we started selling into police markets and security. And uh, so we started, we did a little bit with college campus police departments. And now we've been rolling out into some of the city uh, EDs as well. And one of the most recent ones, uh, fairly notable, is the city of Berkeley. And so they've got a, 
Yeah, so they got a fleet of our machines, and they're out riding. I'll tell you, it was really fun to be out in the field training them because uh, we rode all around town, and you know there were guys that were issued their instructions in the morning to go do their patrols, and we were on the bike team that day taking out a few folks and, and training them, and we would get places three and four times faster than the guys in cars because, A, you're dealing with traffic, lights, and stops, and parking, and this and that. So, boy, they, they've loved it because it's really helped, you know, for, as far as the logistics, getting, you know, places quickly and efficiently. But one of the really cool outcomes of us going into that market is that, you know, we knew they'd be useful as a tool when you're up high and you can see better than, you know, say sitting on an electric bike or a pedal bike, which, you know, a lot of police departments have those. But uh, our machines, you've got the line of sight that's better. One of the really cool things that's come out of it is the community outreach piece where, you know, the officers are riding in and people are all of a sudden in this world of great contention with riots and, you know, people on edge. They're finding a sweet spot, you know, riding on our machines coming in. People are actually friendly going, wow, that's really cool. Where did you get that? And, and how can we get one? And it changes so the perception all of a sudden. It's interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, it's our goal, of course, to go out and do well as a business. But, boy, if we can change the, the landscape of some of the political tension out there and, and provide a tool that helps uh, in communities – you know, we're, we're excited about that. And that's what's started to happen. I think uh, you can use this in your marketing if, if you'd like, uh, if you don't already. Hopefully you've already thought of this, but if not, I just have to say, you've brought a whole new meaning to the term ride-along. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, and that's <laughs> funny because it reminds me of the fact that one question hasn't come up yet in terms of the durability and stability of these machines we were down doing a test patrol run with those guys and we were explaining to them, Hey, if things get heated and you have to get out of there and one guy can't get to his machine or whatever quick enough, you can ride two guys on these machines if you have to, because they're sturdy and can handle an excess of 650 pound capacity. And there you go. That went to mind for me on the ride along too. If you have to, you can ride <laughs> someone. But that's not what they're built for. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So one last area to talk about, you know, as far as our outreach and customer base and directions we've gone is that the third division of the company for us is the guided tour business, and we call it Glidesdale Adventures. So if you if you listen to the name, you can probably picture where it sort of came from. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the early Budweiser advertising comes to mind. But anyway, Glidesdale Adventures, so we are doing guided tours which are usually three to four hour, you know, little adventures and their first locations in the wine country in Calistoga. And so we've made deals with a number of the resorts down there and uh, wineries to go and see their properties. And boy, what a beautiful ride down there. And so that's been fun. We launched officially a year ago, I think March 1st, and then started doing tours. And then, of course, COVID hit and everything got shut down. So... Decided to get that picking back up and get going again, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And we have our next, we're, we're starting to roll out. Technically, they're not franchises, but they're more of a license situation. But we're doing 
more locations coming up. The next one's going to be in Hawaii. We have a, a different website called GlidesdaleAdventures.com that people can go look if they're interested in going out and trying them. Awesome. So first one's already established in California, one up and coming in Hawaii, and uh, hopefully more spread around in good uh, touristy locations. Yeah, we hope so. And, you know, that gives people a chance to try them and go out and have a unique experience because, you know, I don't know if you've done the typical vacation thing in in past years, but, you know, most, uh, especially foreign countries or or like high-end Mexico locations or so on have a lot of them have the Vespa type scooters from the early days and, you know, that's fun, but, or bicycles, but we bring a different experience with this. So, yeah. And I think they're a good fit for that because a bicycle, there's some that kind of have a wide range, but you got to kind of have a bicycle that fits a wide range of people. Some are too big, some are too small, something like a Vespa. Not everybody necessarily would be comfortable riding something quite like that. These are so easy to, to get on and off and operate. I feel like anybody with a little bit of common sense can get on one of these and just ride it. Very easy. Yeah, a little balance, hopefully. But yes, yes, a little balance more than common sense. I should say that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you making that comment because usually it only takes a couple hundred feet for someone to get up and riding and feel relatively comfortable. And, uh, you know, the turns, it takes a moment or two to get used to turning in a stand-up position, but certainly within the first hour of riding, you can feel very comfortable and and have a great time. Yeah, I, I think anybody who can ride a bicycle or anything else on two wheels have no trouble with these. The little scooters that people think of, the the small wheels just really do make it so you have to get some practice and learn how to use them, and they're not as stable. The wheels on these are so big, you know, like fat bike size wheels that they just roll so easily and smoothly. It just it's really kind of a no big deal as far as being able to learn to ride one. You just kind of hop on and go. Yes, and you know, it's we uh, originally had done frames or our our systems were only more of a skinny tire complete unit like a, a two inch type tire and that was back in the early days you know i always i knew some of the fat tires were coming along and then of course they hit and got popular and so we do you know several fat tire versions and they're just a little more stable and and comforting and i think you may have seen both of our fat tire versions a three inch and a four inch and you know, you get a road uh, tread type or uh, more off-road with knobbies. There's a lot of options, you know, for whatever rider preference is. Makes it nice. The the little teeny wheels on the little scooters, I don't mean to talk bad about those little scooters. I think a lot of people have enjoyed them, but they scare the hell out of me. I'll tell you, riding those little guys, and I just, you, I don't know, I, I don't feel safe really on them, and yeah, I don't I don't know if you've seen the numbers. Uh, I remember this like a year or so ago. There was uh, some statistic because they have like, there was like the Bird brand and there was another one, Lime Scooters. Like the accident rates in emergency rooms on those were so high. And every time I looked at them, it's like, it's because of the little wheels. If they get rid of those little tiny wheels, I bet the accident rate will plummet because you hit a a rock or a bump or a curb and you crash. Like, why don't they put bigger wheels on these? You just want to hold a sign up, don't you? It says, it's because of the wheel. <laughs> I, I do, I do. That's how I've always felt about those. So that's the thing that's always stuck out to me uh, from what you're making is just big wheels. I know it seems like a small change. Obviously, there's a lot of other quality stuff going on here. 
with the fork and the brakes and everything. But that to me is the biggest thing that just completely makes it totally different from riding one of those little scooters. It doesn't feel the same at all. So I know it looks kind of like a scooter. I know that's what people think it is, but I'm just going to tell you, having ridden one, it's not a scooter. <laughs> it's different. Hooray. Hooray for that. That's good. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but hey, one more comment on the small wheel thing, not the real small. I was just going to say that initially I knew I wanted to come out with something with bigger wheels and combining, you know, mountain bike technology and so on. But I felt like I wanted to start with a 24 inch front wheel, which turns out to be a little harder to source and, you know, some of the components were tougher. And so it wasn't the best choice initially, but we learned a lot and they were a little lower to the ground machines and just the jump from going to a 24 inch front to 26 or 27.5, which we've been doing now on the big fat tires. It just makes all the difference. We do have a 20-inch rear wheel, which is uh, done on purpose because of the efficiency with the motor and the way we're running them and the ability to step into or off the machine easier and things like uh, our cargo storage and access to the bags. There's a lot of reasons why it made sense. So, But the front end is the safety factor when you got the full suspension front end, the big front wheel, and you mentioned going over curbs. That kind of thing, it just makes all the difference uh, in comfort and safety, really. Yeah, and I'll have to admit, I haven't tried, like, riding it up a curb, <laughs> but I would imagine you could do it. I don't know if it would clear or if it'd scrape, but I would imagine it would probably make it up. You know, I don't uh, recommend to the masses <laughs> you go out and just clobber curbs, but I'll tell you what, they do go over and they do clear them now, especially with the, uh, the fat tires. And one of the things we did... Uh, you know, along that line is for training. We helped develop a course for the state of California and the police department certification for bike patrols. You know, most people, if they know anything about the bike patrols, know you have to, that they're certified actually to go out and, and ride them. Well, maybe a lot of people might not know that. But anyhow, we uh, decided to get a jump on the game and, and participate. So uh, City of Berkeley and uh, my company, Glide, we put together, actually it's Glide Patrol for the uh, Patrol Public Safety Division, but we decided to put our heads together and create a safety training program. And part of that, we, you know, it was a written part of it and a physical training part where we took, you know, all the, we took a half a dozen guys out and, well, on a couple of different days, a couple, a dozen folks, I guess, but we went over and you know, up and down hills and unusual situations and over plenty of curbs, I guess is what I'm getting at. So You kind of push the limits for training so they know how they can use them and what they can and can't do, I assume. Yeah, that was probably a long answer. Do they do just fine on the curbs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely highly encourage anyone who, who has the opportunity to, to try one of these if they can. Obviously, there's uh, some rental tourist spots opening up, so that'll be some options. Is this something, because uh, I know you're really only about an hour or so from where I've located, is this something they can come to you to check out as well? Yeah, we'd be happy to, to do that. And you know, anytime someone's in the area in Northern California, we try to accommodate. We have a fleet down in you know the Bay Area, uh, in the wine country, that you know, I can make uh, units available, and my partner Steve is down there quite often, and we can coordinate uh, test drives there, as well as in the Sacramento area where I'm at. And yes, yeah, we'd be happy to. And then beyond that, if 
Kyle, if you end up doing a get-together for a bunch of people to come out and try units, and I'd love to participate, you know, in that as well. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for all the, the information you've provided on these and all the, the insights on how you came up with this, what they're for. Just one last thing for everybody that's listening. Where should they go if they want to learn more? What Let's give them your website and uh, whatever information. Where do they go if they want to check these out in a little bit more detail? You bet. GlideCycles.com. We actually have a divisions tab that shows you the different divisions. So in case you wanted to navigate and know about, uh, you know, the guided tour to go try them, there's, that's there, but just uh, GlideCycles.com. And then, of course, we have on our contact page a form. You can send an inquiry to me and be happy to coordinate a, a demo in town, if you like, or elsewhere. So probably the best place to go. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for everything again, Chris. Uh, I wish you the best of luck with things going forward. I think we're going to see more of these. I think it's like e-bikes. One day it's like nobody's heard of it, and then all of a sudden it's like everybody's going crazy for them. It's just <laughs> it's a matter of time for all these things. So Yeah, 10 to 12 years uh, sudden success, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got in it, I think, early, and uh, the time is, is ripe for, for this to happen. So. I'm excited to see what happens going forward. Me too. So thanks again. And of course, uh, if people want to check out a little bit more video-wise, I did release just recently a, a video about these guys on the Bolton e-bikes YouTube channel. Well, thanks so much, Kyle. Appreciate all the good questions. And uh, I'm sure we'll see each other again soon. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Thank you. And thanks to everybody who is listening for being on here with me and Chris for another episode of the Bolton e-bikes podcast. I appreciate all of you coming. And of course, if you're new to the podcast, don't forget to go to ebikepodcast.com. That's where you can sign up for the newsletter. And we'll just send you a friendly reminder each Tuesday when new episodes come out, just like this one. Once again, that is ebikepodcast.com. And hopefully I'll be talking to you on another Tuesday. Tuesday.